humble beginnings in, in Claremont, New Hampshire, uh, in a small town. Uh, you know, my uh, my mother worked three jobs uh, to get me to the point where uh, I, could, I could go to college. I've always been a geek. Um, I can't imagine not being a geek. Uh, I've, I've been lucky enough through my career that I've been able to build and take. You know, I started out in a really small uh, techie company uh, in the, the dial-up internet business back in the, in the, in the 90s. Um, branched that into uh, you know, working for the Hartford Insurance, uh, which is you know, talk about going from a company of 20 to a company of 40,000. Right. Some of the key uh, drivers in me, uh, like my inability to, uh, to keep my mouth shut. You ask the question, you know, what advice you were talking about, what advice would you give to, to you know, kids growing up uh, these days? And, and I think doing something you love, boy, you know, it, it certainly outweighs, um, you know, just doing something either for the money or the power. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And, you know, in those scenarios, make sure you're giving yourself enough balance um, for the things that do you know, make you tick and never give up trying to you know get to the point where you can really do something that you love. Welcome to episode 91 of American Real, where today we bring you technical advocate Jay Gagne, who provides a wealth of information about the fast-moving world of information technology. Jay breaks down topics such as cloud computing, disaster recovery, data storage, as well as advancements we can expect to see from technology in the future. Whether you're one to be intimidated by technology or work in the IT industry, Jay breaks down the bits and bytes for all to understand and relate to. In the second half of our conversation, we go for a ride on Jay's personal journey of becoming a computer geek, how he lost his hardworking mother to cancer when he was only 19, as well as his fears, motivators, and his love of music and audiobooks. Speaking of which, today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com, who is offering a free download of any book along with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Visit audibletrial.com slash 
to claim your free offer and where you can access 180,000 titles directly from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now, without further ado, I bring to you Mr. J. Gagne. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Jay Gagne. You are a self-proclaimed geek and business-focused IT executive with a relentless passion for technology. You are one to over-explain to get your point across. You love to champion a good cause, and you're never shy away from a challenge. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm, I was really excited to do this. Uh, I know we had a Reschedule a couple of times because sure. of weather, but uh, technology is such an important part of our lives today. And I think, you know, for the most part, most of us are not really aware of everything that happens behind the scenes to make really any business or our world run day to day. Exactly. And I, I think one of the, the focuses in technology since since it started 15 years ago and for the 10 years that I've been there is being able to take that complex uh, kind of crazy um, you know option in in technology and be able to explain it to everything from you know the CEO down to the grassroots you know dive in the weeds and, and really get geeky about you know how to bits and bytes move and and how to leverage an investment um, talk about the budget, talk about, you know, the getting the, the max out of, of IT uh, that you can. Um, and you can do that on a personal level as well. Um, you know, I am a, I'm a, I'm a geek. Um, I love technology. Uh, but at the same time, you have to use technology to its best benefit. You know, if that's for a business, it's how do you align uh, the IT organization and the business? How do they march to the beat of the same drum um, to, you know, get the real value uh, out of IT and not have the IT people, you know, be stuck in the, the back room, uh, you know, engage them in, in the business. What is the business trying to do and challenge the, the t technology folks to come up with the right technology to maximize what the business can do? On a personal level, it's, it's no different. Uh, you know, there's uh, everything from your cell phone to your laptop to your iPad. Um, you know, you use uh, technologies like, you know, uh, home security and Alexa. You, you know, there's a, there's a time and place for technology, but use it to better your business or better yourself. And, you know, while I would say, you know, maybe Alexa in the bathroom is uh, is a is too much. <laughs> um, leveraging that technology in your vehicle, leveraging that technology uh, to make it easier, safer uh, for you to, you know, communicate with the rest of the world is the right approach. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm glad you just gave that example because we're all there. We all have our mini IT department, yeah. if you will, within sure. our own household. Uh, especially if we have kids, you know, there's <laughs> many multiple phones and multiple devices and cloud storage and, and everything sure. else that we're all having to become familiar with. And I would say, you know, you know, just speaking for myself, have either taught myself or watched YouTube videos to, to make things more efficient. 
Um, but then you take that onto a grander scale when you talk about a small business and then getting into your larger businesses. Yep. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned beating to the same drum. I think that's key because I've been in many business meetings where IT's over here, marketing's over here, you know, budgets are here, and it's how do we get everyone working together? Because if you don't have that IT infrastructure in place correctly, everything else can fall. Absolutely. And, and you know, though that's probably the biggest challenge. When it comes to IT for those of us geeks that, that get it, the IT part of it isn't usually that hard. Uh, you know, you can learn a, a new technology, a new platform. Uh, you can use the cloud. Uh, but the challenge is making the IT investment the maximum that it can be for the business. You know, it's not IT for IT's sake. It's IT to move the business forward. And, and that's one of the things where when you get into conversations like, um, you know, I'd say probably the big three things right now are cloud, security, um, and dealing with data. Uh, and if you look at the cloud, there's an opportunity there. Um, and a lot of organizations adopt something like, we'll call it a cloud-first strategy. I'm, I'm looking to leverage the cloud as my first option, and maybe it's not the best option, um, but let's start there. Most organizations, outside of maybe brand new companies that might be able to go you know, essentially 100% cloud, most organizations aren't going to be 100% cloud. But they're also not going to be 0% cloud. There's a, there's a balance in there. The cloud's been around for a while, and it used to be, you know, we talked about public cloud and private cloud, and then we came up with the term hybrid cloud. Um, and that seems to be, you know, the kind of the prevailing adoption is there's some mix of the cloud that's right for any organization. Sometimes it's not always about saving money. Um, that's one of the promises of the cloud. Um, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's business agility. Sometimes it's, you know, for folks that develop their own applications, you know, letting the application developers leverage the cloud so that they can quickly and agilely uh, do their job and not have to keep calling IT to say, hey, I need one more machine or I need some more storage, et cetera. Um, but it doesn't always come out as, as the answer of the cloud is we're saving a whole lot of money going to the cloud. There has to be other drivers. Um, same thing when it comes to uh, security. Some organizations, every organization should be, and most are, security conscious. Um, some organizations take that to a high level, um, some take it to a lower level, some probably need it to be a higher level. Um, but the conversation is around what's the right investment? How do you, you know, how do you protect without becoming an obstacle? Uh, you know, how do, how do I, no different than being a parent, how do I keep my kids safe uh, without being the overbearing, always, you know, in your face, you know, Stop, stop telling me that, Dad. You know, I've got it. Uh, you know, and, and that balance in uh, the IT world is no different than that balance, you know, as a parent or as a person, as a, as a husband, uh, as a friend, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and dealing with data today is, it's a huge challenge. Um, 20 years ago, 
almost all of the data was being created by a person. It was input on a terminal. It was you know, generated uh, by a human being. Nowadays, vastly more information is being automatically created by your phone, by uh, an application, by um, you know, a, a collection of, of information. And the challenge becomes one, how do I manage this influx? How, how do I deal with all of this extra data that, that now is being uh, created in, in, in my business? And how do I leverage it? You know, it's, it's one thing to be able to say, you know, technology time over time uh, continues to, you know, unit costs continue to get reduced. New uh, technologies come out to help kind of crunch the data and, and not store duplicates um, and, you know, regardless of how much data there is, are you getting value out of it? What, what are you, you know, we use terms like business analytics and, and cognitive computing and, um, you know, as ways to find, you know, how, how to get the most value out of the data that you're storing. And the companies that are, you know, forward thinking are making sure, regardless of how much, we certainly should be watching and policing how much data we create and not keeping data that has no value. But how do I inspect the data that I have and make sure that it's returning some value either to the individuals in the organization, because sometimes internal information is, is as important as external, but certainly how do I take that information and leverage uh, our ability as an organization to deliver something new, something unique, something better, faster, you know, more financially uh, beneficial to our customers. And, you know, that's no small task. Yeah. No, and I'm glad you pointed out those three items because they are all really yeah. important in your world, cloud, security, data. Uh, you wrote an article about this uh, fairly recently, and you talk about the cloud. Um, and you also talk about things like the event. Um, first off, you know, just if we could back up just a little bit for people, you know, that don't know what the cloud is. Sure. You know, we hear that term. You know, um, I happen to be, you know, in in a software company, so I understand it. But I didn't understand it, you know, just a couple short years ago. So if if, if you could break that down for people at the lowest level, just so we could understand what we're talking about with all three. Actually, Let, let's start with. Yeah, so I think, uh, not to make a pun out of it, the cloud is a nebulous term. Um, in a lot of situations, I could, I could be sitting down with, with a client of ours, ask everyone in the room, uh, you know, what's, what is the cloud? And I would get as many different answers as there are people in the room. Um, <clears throat> simply put, um, I think if you, if you break down the, the cloud, it's uh, whether or not you create your own cloud, like I said before, a private cloud, or you're leveraging the Azures and Amazons or Googles of the world, um, or you're leveraging just a particular piece of software. Um, you know, companies like Salesforce, uh, companies like Microsoft, uh, that can allow you to use their application without you having to build all of the IT infrastructure on your own and create the application on your own, et cetera. Simply put, the, the cloud is leveraging some sort of consolidation of all of infrastructure in, 
and application. We, we use terms like as a service uh, in our industry. You know, there's infrastructure as a service, which means I'm not going to be buying you know, the servers and the storage devices and the networking devices. I'm going to leverage that as a service from someone else. You build onto that uh, the, the platforms, the databases, uh, and, and we call that platform as a service. You can take it to the final level where we call it software as a service, which means that's the, you know, that's the salesforce.com uh, mentality where I'm leveraging everything. It's, it's their infrastructure. It's their database. It's their application. And I'm just logging in to use it. Um, on a personal uh, side, you know, the cloud could be, hey, my phone, I have you know, Verizon, AT&T, whatever it is. My pictures, they're on my phone but they're also stored somewhere else. <clears throat> and that would be the cloud. Um, you know, I, there's no doubt that the reason that it's hard to define the cloud is it's so many different things and every company vendor out there that has some kind of uh, cloud capability uh, is you know, stretching that definition to try and make themselves unique so it becomes complicated to define. Sure. Yeah, and I, I could recall back, say, going back 20 years ago, uh, had my own small business. We had all of our servers in a closet, so to speak, sure. with a fan, right? Yep. So in the simplest terms in my mind, I, I, I see the cloud as, okay, used to have this hardware on site. Um, you know, again, for small businesses, it might be in a closet. For larger businesses, they may have a, a room full of servers. But uh, with the cloud, you would be able to eliminate that, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I think if you, if you twist that the other way and say the cloud is uh, a mentality, uh, it's a, you know, it's a, a self-driven, uh, you know, allow the, the user uh, the easiest experience. Some organizations don't use the cloud as a, uh, a mechanism to get rid of the infrastructure. They use it as a, a mechanism to provide that kind of self-service, one-stop shop, easy to use, uh, you know, grows and shrinks um, with, the, with the business. One of the value propositions usually of the cloud is instead of me having to go buy, you know, all of the necessary infrastructure and applications and licenses, et cetera, uh, to support what might be you know, we certainly have to support our peak time of business. Maybe that's end of month, end of year, uh, or, you know, in things like healthcare, it's enrollment time. Um, the cloud can, you know, we use the term elastic. The cloud can grow and shrink uh, for you, uh, allowing, you know, the changes in your business. You know, if you're having a great year and, and you're, you know, adopting more, uh, users, et cetera, uh, then the cloud's going to grow right along with you. If you're having a down year or it's just the off season, uh, the cloud can shrink back down. And, you know, in those cases, you certainly can have a, a scenario where the, the cloud can have a financial benefit. Um, in other cases, leveraging the cloud as a, as a methodology for just making everyone's life easier is the other potential benefit. And if you get both of them right, you get an A+. Plus. Yeah. Um, but it's a challenge. And, you know, not every organization, and really being honest, not many organizations 
uh, can get all of all, all of technology right. Um, that's what you know. Part of what, what Razor brings to the table to our customers is, you know, we're we live and breathe it every day. We have hundreds of customers, uh, you know, large and small, that are experiencing all the challenges you're experiencing, and some of the challenges you yet haven't experienced. Um, and we try to take a very consultative and agnostic approach to what's your challenge, back it with our experience. Uh, you know, 100% of, of the folks at Razor come from the technology world. You know, on the sales side, everyone's been a vendor, uh, you know, before they, they came to Razor. Uh, on, the, on the geek side, everyone's been a customer. You know, we understand, uh, you know, what it's like to walk in your shoes, to, you know, to, to sit at that cube or in that conference room and, and deal with uh, the challenges of IT. And that gives us a little bit of a measure of credibility. It also gives us, you know, a faster time to an end result because you don't have to explain to me the, the challenge of IT. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've lived it myself. Every, everyone uh, on the team at Razor uh, has lived it. And we can accelerate the conversation and really get to the root of the problem. Um, and whether that's any one of the three things uh, that I uh, mentioned cloud security and, and, and data or any other number of things uh, in, in the realm of IT. And, you know, it's, I've always, I've always been a geek. Um, I can't imagine not being a geek. Uh, I've, I've been lucky enough through my career that I've been able to build and take, you know, I started out in a really small uh, techie company in the, in the dial-up internet business back in the, uh, in the 90s, um, branched that into uh, you know, working for the Hartford Insurance, uh, which is, you know, talk about going from a company of you know, 20 to a company of 40,000. Right. Um, you know, I've worked for a startup. Uh, and now, uh, you know, the, the best part is, number one, this is my, this, it's not just my job. It's my passion. It's what I love to do. I don't even... Most days, it's not work. It's, it's just an extension of, of what I love doing anyway. Um, but I get to leverage all that experience, um, as does everybody uh, at, at Razor, to you know, put a positive spin on IT, solve, solve a challenge, um, and you know, give IT that right focus, that business connection, uh, to bring value uh, to our clients that then they can extend to their clients. That's brilliant. Yeah, and um, a few years back, uh, Pope Francis visited mm -hmm. Philadelphia, and you were quoted saying that the Pope's visit um, could potentially equate to a major nor'easter. I think that's what you said at the time. We um, called it Pope Palooza. <laughs> right. Uh, talk about that. Explain why. It's you know the. The, the challenge when, you know, something that is going to happen once in a lifetime uh, comes along, the, the opportunity for there either to be chaos, confusion, additional complexity, overthinking, uh, you know, the problem, uh, solving it the wrong way first and then having to fix it and solve it the right way, um, it, it becomes exponentially more challenging when it's uh, an event like that where, it literally happens once in a lifetime. Um, and 
if you take that into account in, you know, in the IT world, it's essentially every major decision that you're, you only get the chance to make once um, can have that same level of complexity. And it could be as, something as simple as refreshing your old technology to the new technology. Do I stay with the same vendor? Do I, do I just keep doing what I'm doing? Or is now the time to maybe push it to the cloud, maybe you know, change the vendor? Um, and, and that becomes complex. That becomes uh, scary. You know, for the for the folks that have to work on the product now, that's yet another uh, you know technology I have to learn and become proficient in, et cetera. Versus, I know this one because I've been using it forever. Um, but it's also the opportunity to be able to sit down with a business and say, what is it we're trying to do, and what's the best way to go about doing it. Very cool. So um, you know, that's that's one example. Then you know, we hear terms like disaster recovery or redundancy. Sure. Can you talk about that in, in the event of a flood, of a major hurricane, of a natural disaster? What are you guys doing to help people prepare for that? You know, the term that comes to mind is expect the unexpected. Yeah, and I think that's you know what you have to do. Um, when it comes to, there's a lot of ways to look at um, you know, how to be resilient. Um, in most organizations, you know, it starts with making copies of the data, you know, backing up your data, um, you know, and that's a personal uh, thing as well. Uh, you know, I, I got the note uh, yesterday, I haven't backed up my laptop in 72 days. Um, time to do it. <laughs> so some of it is, you know, understanding the, the value of the data to the business and then layering on levels of resiliency that A, are financially responsible, um, and B, protect the business in the event of, you know, we, there's, there's a lot of different ways when we talk about disaster recovery to look at it. You can look at it, you know, we've, we usually call it the smoking hole theory. Uh, what if the whole building just disappeared? Uh, you know, that's, that's one way to look at it. Um, and you do have to make sure that you're planning appropriately. A lot of times uh, when, you know, when we talk with, with clients, uh, you know, the first thought is we can't lose anything. And, okay, well, here's the price tag for that. Okay, well, maybe we could lose a little. You know, or maybe, you know, being down for, you know, a day is okay uh, for this particular, you know, application or area of the business. But, you know, the, the crown jewels, uh, you know, we can put more investment into uh, to, to protect it, uh, you know, at a higher level. So it's usually that conversation of, Breaking down the, uh, the the applications or or lines of business, and you know, being realistic about uh, you know how important they they really are, um, and how much investment you need to make to ensure that they're protected appropriately, and then you're not either spending too much money or leaving yourself a gap that you know could be potentially uh, you know a catastrophic thing. Uh, in, in the event of some kind of disaster. And, you know, one of the other, you know, th some of the things that kind of get overlooked, like we were talking about the, the Pope's visit, is, you know, what if there is a, a nor'easter? Uh, you know, what if, you know, what if all of a sudden, you know, no one can come to work because streets are closed or it's a weather event, et cetera? 
um, and making sure that we can still function as a business. There may have, it may not have been an actual disaster. Uh, it could have just been a series of unfortunate events. Um, and do we have the ability under all circumstances to, to operate the business? Maybe we have to scale it down. Maybe not everyone uh, can work from home, but let's make sure enough people uh, you know, to sustain business can, can, can do their job regardless of what happens uh, natural disaster or human disaster. Sure. So, Jay, if you can, take us back 20 years, okay, when you first started your career. Could you have imagined that technology would be where it is today, back then? Did you see this coming? No. You, you could probably say, go back five years, <laughs> and, and I would still say the same thing. Uh, you know, the reality is, you know, even looking at, you know, something as, as simple as uh, the introduction of the cell phone, uh, you know, and that could go back, you know, 35, 40 years uh, for, for most people. Um, I'm in constant awe and, and have to stop sometimes and, and just go, wow, you know, I have this capability. I literally have in my pocket a device that used to fill a, a thousand square foot data center <laughs> that has the same amount of, of essential, you know, power and capability. Um, and, it, and it continues, you know, technology is not slowing down. Um, you know, we are really at, at a time in, in the technical world where it felt like we could, it wasn't going to get any faster. You can't possibly, you know, continue this rate of, uh, of improvement. And that's not stopping as well as, you know, introductions of new ways of doing things like the cloud, um, you know, like, um, you know, collaboration in ways that are just amazing. You know, the, I can be, you know, in my car, uh, you know, on a, on a conversation uh, and collaborating, you know, with, with video and, and, talking to my phone so that I'm being safe while I'm driving, you know, there's, there's no limit to um, what technology can do for you. And the adoption rate uh, is amazing. You know, you, there, there are very few people, uh, you know, now that don't have some kind of smartphone. Every once in a while, you'll see someone pull out a good old flip phone and you're like, I remember those days. Um, but it, it doesn't matter, young, old, uh, you know, whether it's, whether you're a geek uh, or a grandmother, uh, you know, you're using some kind of technology, not just every day, but probably hundreds of times a day. We often hear that term that the cell phone has more power than uh, the capacity we had to bring man to the moon. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. I, I, it, like I said, it used to, what, what fits in your pocket now used to, Phil, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Right. <laughs> right. And how can it how can it continue to get faster, smarter, stronger? How, what's happening? Like when you, when you break it all down, what is getting better? How is it faster? How is it more capacity into a smaller device? What's happening there? Yeah, so some of it, I think, is you know, not only is technology. Um, you know, continuing to, to change and grow. But the tools that are creating that technology 
are getting you know more precise, more accurate. You know, when you look at uh, you know the processor inside uh, your laptop or your cell phone, um, the ability now we are you know there is talk in the in the techie world that we are getting to you know those those microns, those you know nanometers uh, that you know you, you can't at some point you literally can't separate them because they're one. <laughs> so, but that's where, you know, creative, uh, you know, things are happening with, uh, you know, kind of the next generation quantum computing, you know, just looking at the problem uh, differently. Um, and, you know, some of that takes massive technology to create better technology. Um, and, and some of it is just the evolution and, and the smartness uh, of you know some of the you know the innovators uh, out there you know the, the it used to be Steve Jobs and Bill Gates uh, folks and now they're they're names that you know you're not familiar with yet but they're you know it's it's uh, going on my geek side uh, you know it was like the creation of the warp drive in, in Star Trek and then well how did how did we get from warp one to warp five to warp nine point nine seven five you know some of that is uh, the sharing of, of and collaboration of really smart people uh, in the Star Trek world. It was, you know, different worlds, uh, you know, collectively making things better. Um, in our world, it's, you know, smart uh, folks sharing ideas, sharing thoughts, uh, you know, not being afraid to take a risk, uh, start a new company that's based on a new idea uh, that's an extension of maybe something uh, that was being done somewhere else. Um, but drives it to the next level. That innovation, yep. continued innovation. So, Jay, if you think about the next 25 years, what do you see? That's an amazing question. Um, it, 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 I think if you take it in five-year chunks, um, it's probably easier. Uh, you know, I, I hope in 25 years we've got self-driving flying cars. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to be a possibility or not, but you know, certainly in the next five years, um, technology is going to continue to, um, I'll even use the term invade uh, every part of our life. Uh, you, know, you, can, you can think about it uh, similar to you know, traveling 25 years ago. You just kind of walked into the airport. <laughs> Maybe there was a scanner right. in my small airport in New Hampshire. Uh, you just walked in and you got on a plane, um, you know, and now there's, you know, scanners that you walk through that, you know, see you from the inside out. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that's that's where, you know, the, the technology invasion uh, is going as well. You know, the, the capability in the medical industry uh, to, to leverage technology, to, you know, to do things, you know, like I just said, you see you from the inside out um, is going to continue uh, you know, the ability to leverage technology to solve problems that we have today that we can't solve. Um, you know, if, if you look at just the speed, you know, as we were talking about, of, of the device that, you know, used to fill a building in, in Houston that got someone uh, to, the, to the moon is, you know, now fits in your pocket. Um, you know, that level of ability to calculate gives... You know, I grew up uh, in uh, in, a, in a in a geek world, in in a math world, uh, and I used to love uh, statistics. Um, the great part about statistics is, you know, 
50% of the time you're 50% right. <laughs> um, and anybody can make up numbers. Um, but the ability to crunch those numbers, the, the faster that you can, gives you the opportunity to you know, take more data in um, that you, we couldn't 20 years ago have, have been able to use um, or, or calculate quickly enough. Uh, you know, we talk about in the security world, you know, the, the encryption algorithms uh, that we use today. Um, you know, it would take the fastest computer in the world, you know, 200 years uh, to, to crack it. Uh, but take the one from 25 years ago, and there's a computer that can crack it in a second. Um, so I think the, you know, the, the changes in technology over the next 20 years are going to continue to be um, leveraged by smart people, by good businesses, to improve our quality of life, uh, you know, to improve uh, you know, the ability um, to uh, enhance uh, you know, businesses and, and create new businesses uh, that don't even exist today. And it'll be faster. It'll be bigger. Uh, you know, how much bigger, how much faster uh, is yet to, to be seen. But it's, it's going to touch everyone on the planet in hopefully positive ways. Um, we can use technology for bad things. Um, and, you know, the reality at the end of the day is thankfully uh, there's enough smart and caring people out there you know, we we, uh, we police that in uh, in appropriate manners, but the good far outweighs the bad, and then the potential good to come is mind blowing. Yeah. No, and you mentioned health as well, and, and that's something I interviewed uh, uh, neurosurgeon Dr. Seppi a couple yep. of months ago, and you know, he talked about artificial art and you know, artificial parts. And, yep. And you know, 3D printers and you know, technology is moving all this. Guys our age, we grew up with the Jetsons, you know, yep. as a, you know, futuristic way of life, and it's 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 getting there. You know, it seems yep. it seems pretty close. Like you said, you're in your car, you could have video, and even ten short years ago, you couldn't have imagined what's what's happening. I mean, even you know, if you look at you know, cars like Tesla uh, that you know can drive themselves. <laughs> you, you, you literally uh, can sit behind the wheel. Uh, you know, some of it gets scary because uh, you can take a nap <laughs> and, and wind up six exits down. Um, but just the the potential for the good parts of that, you know, more safety. You know, the, uh, a car that detects the car in front of it and stops even if if you didn't. Um, you know, the you know the ability. Uh, you know, for your refrigerator to know uh, you're out of something and either remind you or order it for you. <laughs> um, you know, I think those are the, the things that are are going to continue and it's going to amaze us what uh, technology is going to be able to, to do to make, you know, our lives a little easier, a little better. Do guys like Elon Musk, Richard Branson, do they, do they excite you because they're constantly pushing the limits? Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's, those are the, you know the modern versions of the uh, of the Bill Gates and, and Steve Jobs that you know just never give up on taking advantage of the capabilities we have today and finding new and and interesting ways uh, to use it. Yes, yeah, def definitely 
you know, there's a there's a thousand folks out there that I look at in that kind of that visionary innovator uh, uh, role. And you know, the, the best part is there's more to come. So for someone like you who you know you go to meetings all the time, you're a road warrior. Um, you talked about liking to solve challenges and problems. What are some of the biggest challenges you've had to face in recent years that may have been inconceivable five, you know, ten years ago? Sure. Um, you know, in, in the technology world, um, you know, just things like uh, applications like chatbots and, uh, you know, and kind of that self-service, you know, I don't actually have to call and wait on hold. I can solve my problem, uh, you know, myself. Um, you know, if you, if you look back even a few years, you know, the ability, um, you know, to do that is, is drastically changed and improved. Um, that gives me more time back in my day, uh, you know, to, to do what matters to me, uh, as opposed to having to take time out to, uh, you know, take the long way. Um, you know, technology can certainly help deliver shortcuts, and in, as long as they're the right shortcuts, uh, you know, I think um, if you look at uh, the, the realm of, you know, whether it's customer service um, or, or the amount of information, the ease of information uh, that you can have access to, you know, challenges like paying your taxes, challenges like, you know, you can now, you know, go online and, and, and do it yourself. Um, you know, and that wasn't there, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Um, you know, a GPS that can get me anywhere. Uh, you know, I, I don't have to, you know, call AAA anymore or, or read a map. Um, you know, it's a, it, you should still learn how to read a map. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the reality of, you know, the big challenges, you know, for some companies, you know, there are massive challenges. Um, in, in, in a lot of ways, though, it's a collection of small challenges. Um, and Breaking it down. Breaking it down yeah. and, and solving them in the right order. Um, you know, don't, you know, kind of the, the old, you know, begin with the end in mind. Um, and, you know, that's where I think successful companies using technology properly uh, are breaking it down, or they're coming to companies like Razor and saying, "Hey, you guys have done this a million times before. Uh, you know, help us break it down the right way." Um, and you know, that's that's the fun part. Uh, you know, the best part of of my job sometimes has nothing to do with you know the bits and bytes and blinking lights. It's understanding what a company does and helping them figure out how technology can you know help them deliver their customers more value. Jay, earlier you talked about data, the importance of data, how people use that data, whether they're using it or not. Um, I think about things like artificial intelligence um, for retailers, trying to understand consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, we're starting to see a lot of that now. So you, you enter the mall or you're going by the Verizon store and you get an alert. You know, if you need something, you know, walk right in. Uh, then taking another step where you go to a, a CVS or a Walgreens, um, the, 
the offers that they're presenting are a lot more relevant to your purchasing behavior. Sure. Um, do you get into things like that or as far as uh, that business intelligence or is it more helping companies prepare their systems to be able to handle that type of software or, or business intelligence? Yeah, so it's both. Uh, so Razor is is end-to-end. So everything from you know, the, the bits and bytes and the wires uh, and the systems uh, that, that run to improving or creating that application that will give you, you know, that, whether it's business analytics, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, et cetera, um, to make things more relevant. Um, and I think the other great part is um, in almost every instance, uh, you know, you, you have the option to choose or not choose. Uh, how much technology uh, is is going to invade your life? Um, you, know, you, you can you can turn off the location uh, uh, settings on on your phone. So that if you don't want to be, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the movie Minority Report, uh, if you if you know what it, what it was, Tom Cruise, and there's a part where he's walking through the mall, and literally the ads are changing specifically to him as he's walking through the mall. You know, no different than when you log into uh, Amazon and, you know, you go to buy something. It remembers what you bought. It also may say, hey, uh, you know, people that looked at that or bought that, you know, also looked at this. I think, you know, that the, the ability to make things more relevant to me uh, or, you know, if you're a company to your to your customers is a, is a huge advantage and it's uh, you know the, the smart companies out there uh, are are definitely leveraging uh, you know technology and smart applications and artificial intelligence to you know help deliver that um, in in a uh, I'll say non-intrusive uh, way for the most part um, you know but sometimes the, the pop-ups in in Amazon <laughs> can get a little annoying but um, you know the, the reality is um, looking at technology and looking at your business and getting those two things to be as tightly woven as possible um, is not only probably one of your biggest challenges, but one of your biggest opportunities. Yeah. And I would think from a consumer perspective, some people feel it's an intrusion. Other yep. people see it as a convenience. Um, my wife mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, she's like, I was on Facebook and it popped up an ad for something I was just looking at, you know, not on Facebook, but on, on the internet. Yep. So how incredible is that? And, but to her, it was a convenience that, right. okay, cool. Now here's something else that I could take a look at based on what, but, but then other uh, consumers may say, I don't like that. Right. You know, so that's, that's kind of a tough balance from a business decision, right? Yeah, it definitely is. It, it, like I said, you, at some point, for anyone, it would become invasive. Uh, you know, if my phone woke itself up and said, "Hey, you want to go look at this?" That would probably be too far for me. But you know, not having you know that that extra little here's what other folks looked at. Or by the way, uh, you know, you, you bought paper towels uh, every you know thirty days for the last six months. We think you might be out of paper towels. Here's a reminder. Oh, look, we only have one roll left. Um, you know. That's a, you know, technology is is a personal choice. And, you know, everybody's going to make a different 
choice on, on how they want to leverage it. Thankfully, most of it is customizable enough so that you can not be uh, annoyed. Uh, and if you're using it right, whether it's your, your business or personal, uh, you know, if, if you take technology as a tool uh, to make your life better, then there's something out there that can do that for you. Right. Um, sometimes you've got to find it, uh, and sometimes it finds you. Talk about virtual reality. Sure. So um, we actually, uh, in American Real, have an opportunity coming up where we're going to do some testing and uh, do some live audiences uh, with special cameras that's going to film these episodes in, in, in VR. And um, you know, I've been doing some research on it, and there's more and more content coming out um, for VR. And, yep. you know, you have to... You have to buy the headgear, yep. but once you're all set up, you you know you, you you feel like you're in the room, or you're yeah. you know in that place, or in that airplane, or whatever it may be. For someone like you, who's a geek, what do you yeah. think about VR? Yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, we, you know, we've since you know, I was a kid. You know, you, you've seen you know in the movies, you know, oh, you know, you're. You're not really here, but you're, you know, the, the holodeck on, on the Enterprise kind of thing. Um, and, you know, VR is, in its infancy, it was a little cheesy. Uh, you know, just like if we look at, you know, I started out with an Atari. Right. If, if you look at what sure. you have now, uh, you know, the, the, the Xboxes and the Playstations of the world, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, and VR is now getting very, very interesting. It's it's feeling real. Uh, you know, at, at first it was you know, virtual unreality, um, but I think where you know where things are, are going, you know, if you think of that from an education perspective, you know, literally feeling like you are in the classroom uh, could be huge. Training know? for battlefield yeah. or pilots or absolutely to make that you know that flight simulator uh, approach where. You know, you're, you you really are doing it. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, in, in the realm of, of training, in the realm for, for business, you know, feeling like, hey, maybe we're all at home, uh, you know, but we're collaborating in a way that feels like we're in the same room. Um, you know, some of the applications that are out there that allow you to share and, and you know, make everybody can make changes on the fly uh, to something. Uh, it, it's a benefit. It's a huge time saver because it's not... Hey, I'll make my changes, and here you go, Roger. Now you make yours, and then we'll hand it over here, and someone else will make theirs. It's, you know, it's it's done when we're done, and then we can move on. Um, so I I think, um, you know, there's a lot of aspects of technology that are just going to be so interesting uh, in in how uh, they can, you know, take what we do every day and and make it just that much better. So Jay, let's talk about your backstory. You come from a small town in New Hampshire. Yep. And how does a young kid grow up to be an IT executive? What were some of the things that were interesting to you? You said you, you enjoyed math, but give us more of your backstory. Sure, sure. So uh, absolutely right. Humble beginnings in, in Claremont, New Hampshire. Um, you know, a small town. Uh, you know, my... My mother worked three jobs uh, to get me to the point where uh, I, could, I could go to college. Um, you know, I was always 
I was always a geek, uh, you know, from the time uh, my brother brought home a TRS-80 computer in, in 1980, uh, and, and I'm learning how to do basic uh, programming uh, as a 10-year-old, um, you know, right up through um, uh, high school, uh, you know, learning even in high school at the time, you know, getting programming uh, experience uh, in high school in, you know, the 1980s uh, was, you know, not as nearly as uh, prevalent as it is today. Um, you know, college uh, started out uh, as uh, computer science, um, and at the time it was mostly programming. I've never been a big fan, as much of a geek uh, as I am, uh, I never had the programmer knack. I, I did it, and that was really the only thing that was available. And when I was in college, they allowed us to do what they called an individualized major. Um, so I took the computer science background, um, and uh, I've always been a lover of art, music, etc. Um, and started getting into uh, graphic design uh, at the time. And then, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, this thing called the internet came along. Um, and I got to take the, you know, know enough about programming to be dangerous, know enough about, uh, you know, how things should look, design, et cetera, uh, and, and married the two of those together. And, and that was my, um, you know, my first real geek job uh, was uh, working for a dial-up internet provider that actually started inside um, our college. And they said, you know, all right, well, the biggest challenge we have is no one knows how to get connected. Um, and I, you know, grew up back in the bulletin board uh, BBS days uh, when a modem actually, you know, had the coupler device with yes. the suction cups and you sat it down on there um, and, and got offered the opportunity to, to be that, you know, that help desk person. Um, and thank, thankfully for me, I've, I've always been pretty good at being able to take... Um, you know, a complex technology thing uh, and, and break it down and be able to explain it to just about anyone. So um, got, you know, the opportunity to do that for a number of years um, and then uh, decided uh, after the, the, that company was sold, um, you know, I could have either gone and done a, you know, a big dot-com thing, uh, but at that point I was 24, 25 years old, I guess. Yeah, 25. Um, you know, it was time to, you know, settle down and, and you know, think about starting a family. So uh, I moved into uh, corporate America, worked for uh, the Hartford Insurance. Used to love it uh, for the first couple of years uh, that, you know, I was just a number. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, but it allowed me the opportunity to, uh, you know, to start a family. Uh, and, you know, that, it, the, some of the key uh, drivers in me, inability to, uh, to keep my mouth shut, um, you know, wound me up in, in a couple of uh, uh, situations at, at the Hartford that then I wasn't just a number. <laughs> I was, you know, running and managing a group. I was, uh, you know, one of, one of the, the key people in, in um, my professional career was a woman by the name Lois Grady. So she was the senior vice president of, of one of the business divisions uh, at the Hartford, and we were about to go through uh, a merger of the two big uh, 
uh, IT organization. So at the time, it was the Hartford and Hartford Life, kind of kind of separate but one company. And it all got merged together. And the, the two technology groups who were very, you know, in our minds, very different. Um, you know, we had to figure out how to, you know, put those those two teams together. And I, I don't even remember how I wound up in Lois's office one day. Um, but apparently, I had said something to somebody that made enough sense that they said, you should talk to this Jay guy um, and sitting in her office. I, you know, I said, here's going to be some of the challenges we're going to have, the differences between the, the organizations, um, you know, how we, you know, the different technologies we use that we're going to have to make decisions about, you know, do we use this one, that one, both, or, you know, something completely different. Um, and uh, that, that wound me up sitting on the senior leadership team, uh, reporting to the CIO for kind of, you know, the better part of a year uh, as we did that transition. Um, and, you know, from there, uh, you know, moved on to, to, you know, different things. But, um, you know, I've always been uh, cognizant of the fact that I've, I've been given some amazing opportunities to, to grow and learn myself and, and to help uh, the organization I work with. Um, even though I've probably interviewed hundreds of people uh, in my career, I've only been through a couple of interviews uh, myself. I've always uh, been lucky enough to kind of just move uh, from from one uh, job to the next. And uh, actually, you know, no different. I've been at Razor now for 10 years. But when I met Jim and George, uh, the founders of the company, uh, I was working for a different company, but we were collectively helping the customer. Uh, and at some point, you know, they said, hey, when you're done doing that, you probably should come over here. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And, you know, 10 years later, uh, you know, best job I've ever had. Uh, and I think I've probably said that every job I've ever had. No, that's great. That's great advice, uh, I think, for especially younger folks that you weren't afraid to speak up. You weren't yep. afraid to go into that office and give your opinion. And I... You know, I would I would say a lot of people are probably fearful of that, yeah. right? Of, of, of voicing their opinion. But a great example that had you not done that, that could have literally changed the course of your career. Absolutely, yeah. I think you know, as long as as long as you have something good to say, um, you should say it. Um, I've always believed that, you know. And and on the flip side, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, you know, those, those are things my mom taught me. Um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of risk. Um, and, and even uh, when it comes to technology choices, sometimes you have to take a little risk to be able to, you know, kind of leapfrog, um, you know, your, your IT organization. And, you know, the, the good news is there's usually enough people out there that are willing to, you know, speak up. Um, base it in fact. Don't just speak up. Don't say, this is horrible. It's going to completely fail. Um, but if you have a couple of reasons why, you know, either we might want to relook at this, um, you know, or do something different, uh, in technology, uh, there's always a million ways to do any one thing. Uh, and for each organization, you know, taking a little risk, basing it in fact, and, and doing the right thing can have the biggest benefit there is, you know, no different than if I hadn't opened my mouth. Uh, who knows? I, I certainly wouldn't be sitting here today. Something would have 
uh, would have changed uh, and, and I would have wound up in a, in a different place. Who are some of your heroes growing up? <sighs> um, biggest hero uh, would be my mom. Um, you know, I, I only got to spend 19 years with her. Um, lost her to cancer. Um, but, you know, woman that worked three jobs, uh, you know, never, never showed, uh, you know, the, the, the concern, the, the, the fear, um, you know, backed me like no other. Um, you know, she's certainly uh, my number one. Uh, I think right behind that would be my wife. Um, same kind of scenario, the glue that's kept me together, probably probably as much uh, a hero as a lifesaver. Um, growing up, it was my brother, the guy that probably, you know, made me the geek I am today. Um, and you were a lot younger than your siblings, right? Yeah, so uh, when I was uh, born, my mom was 43, my dad was 46, my brother was nine, <laughs> and my sister was 21. Um, I actually uh, have two nieces that are older than I am. Um, had to grow up uh, in school, uh, you know, explaining to teachers, no, that's not my cousin. Uh, her mom is actually my sister. Uh, you know, and if you do the math, one of my nieces is four years older than me, one is four months older than me. Um, that makes my mom and my sister <laughs> pregnant at the same time. Um, always been normal to me. Sure. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, when, when, when I think about, um, you know, my, my brother as a hero, you know, he was, he was 18, you know, when I was nine. You know, he was, you know, going off to college and he, you know, and he had girlfriends and, you know, um, you know, he brought the computer home that, you know, probably, you know, was the pivotal moment uh, in me being the geek that I am. Um, and there's a lot, uh, you know, I, I've already mentioned uh, Lois Grady, absolutely uh, a hero. Um, you know, my, my kids uh, even know her name. Uh, she had a, uh, whenever one of the people on her uh, team would, would move on, uh, she would always get the, the whole group uh, to sign a copy of uh, Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Um, and that became, you know, a story that I've read to my kids a thousand times. Um, and something that I've adopted and have done for those key people, uh, you know, that left me uh, and went on to, to bigger and better things. Um, and I, you know, I think you always have to have uh, a hero. Um, you know, right now I'd say my hero is, uh, you know, probably my best friend, colleague, uh, Tony Gaeta. You know, uh, half mentor, you know, a little bit of a little bit of father, um, you know, best sales guy I've ever met. Uh, and, you know, somebody every day I'd like to be a little bit more like. Awesome. And, I, you know, as you're talking about that, especially when you, you give the scene of, of you as a kid with your older brother and, uh, and bringing home the computer, it's those moments that, you know, maybe we don't even realize it, but... Now that we're talking about it and thinking about it, I feel it's really crucial to spend time with, whether it's our kids, nieces and nephews, younger folks, take time because you never know, like in a situation like that, how that could change the course of their life, expose them to things. 
Yep. Give them opportunity. I had the chance to take my son out to L.A. this week. You know, we did six interviews. You know, pulled him out of school, but the best education. So I'm a big proponent of that. I'm glad you talked about that. And just would like to know your thoughts from a technology standpoint on how important that is. Yeah. It, so if, if, if we keep going on, on with the kids, uh, you know, my kids are, are Generation YouTube. Um, you know, they, they would rather, you know, sit with a device and, and in some cases even I don't understand it. Watch someone play a game <laughs> <That's right. laughs> instead of playing the game right. themselves. Um, you know, but I, I always, uh, you know, there's, there's probably 10 or 15 YouTube channels uh, that we watch together, you know, and they're, they're usually what's interesting to them. And then I find myself going, that's kind of, that is kind of cool. You know, I, I don't, I don't generally watch the ones where it's watching someone play a game. Um, but, uh, you know, watching, uh, my daughter, uh, there's a, a guy, um, Bobby Duke, who's an artist, uh, and you know, just will just come up with this crazy idea. You know, it's usually something uh, involving wood, or as he says, and my daughter says, wood. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, it, if it wasn't for YouTube, he'd never have the ability to be able to share that. And you know, some of the things that, that you, you, you can see out there, uh, it's just amazing. And it's education. Uh, how, yeah. How it, it's education and it's fascinating. Uh, you know, um, you know, leveraging technology, you know, in ways like that, you know, the, our ability to share information, uh, you know, in 2019 is absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, it's, you know, everybody can have a voice. Um, you know, it's, Sometimes it's, it's not a voice you want to hear, uh, you know, no different than turning on the news. Sometimes you don't want to see that story. Um, you know, we, we certainly have the ability to, you know, switch to the next page. We have choice. Um, but, you know, the, the amount of, of just amazing and interesting uh, things that are out there and the, the reality that you actually get to see it um, is, uh, you know, it's, that's where technology is going to continue to go. So I have to ask you, uh, you said your mom passed when you were 19. How does a 19-year-old cope with that? How did you get through that? Um, I, I grew up in a daddy. Um, and I think my, my wife would still say I'm 45 going on 20. <laughs> yeah. um, family, um, you know, my... My wife and I had known each other for um, a couple of years. I think I was a sophomore in college, so I'd probably known her longer than him. We actually got together three weeks before my mom passed. So um, certainly couldn't have gotten through it without her. Um, you know, and I think the other part is she prepared me well enough that I could. You know, I, I was lucky enough, uh, as I've said, to you know always uh, kind of get a new opportunity. Uh, you know, my, my first job actually was I worked for a men's formal wear store, and how I got the job actually was as I was renting the tux for the prom. Uh, the, the owners went, hey, "You look pretty good in the tux. Uh, you know, what do you think about doing you know our fashion shows?" 
a little bit flattering. I guess I was a, I was a runway model for for a few years, uh, and uh, and then that turned into to a job there, um, and you know, luckily, uh, thankfully, um, they also had a store in the town that I went to college. You know, so even though uh, things like my mom passing, uh, you know, I, I had a job. Uh, you know, I I found another opportunity uh, while I was at college. I lived in a apartment building and the landlord had a, a t-shirt screen printing business uh, down in the down in the first floor and one day he's walking by and you know, I got my computer out and I'm doodling something and he's like hey I said, what he goes do you think you could print me out a big K uh, it was we were in Key New Hampshire and he, he was printing shirts for the high school or, or something I think it was the high school uh, and I said yeah sure uh, that turned out, you know, months and years later, uh, I had an office downstairs uh, in his screen printing shop, uh, and uh, you know, and I became, uh, you know, one of the designers for him that you know would uh, would you know create either the artwork or whatever for for folks' uh, uh, t-shirts, etc. Um, you know, and and all of those things kind of just happening. Uh, I think are you know the reason why. A 19-year-old uh, got through that, you know, not that it was easy, but got through it. What advice would you have for others that, that might be going through the loss of a loved one, especially, uh, you know, a, a, a youngster? Ooh. Um, don't try to do it alone. You know, whether, whether it's, you know, professional help uh, or family friends, um, you know, you, that's something you can't do alone. Don't be afraid to lean on people. Yeah, you, you have to. I mean, there was a, there was a time in my life that, uh, you know, I thought, you know, therapy's for wimps. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a time in my life now where I couldn't get by without it. Any regrets? <sighs> uh, yeah, I think, you know, as, as Frank Sinatra said, uh, you know, regrets I've had a few. Uh, I've probably had too many to mention. Um, you know, I think um, I think for me it would be, you know, not being the best husband or, or dad that I could have been at times. Uh, you know, if you ask yourself, you know, what's that, what's that one thing you'd go back and change? Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd pick something uh, in that husband and father category. Many of us could say the same, absolutely. What's your biggest fear? I think <laughs> uh, fear changes. Uh, you know, my biggest fear today was uh, coming in here and, and, uh, and not being uh, interesting enough or articulate enough. Um, you know, in general, I would say my, my biggest fear is uh, failure. Letting someone down, uh, you know, not not doing my best. Uh, you know, I've, I've already said I'm a, I'm an over communicator, and uh, you know, there are times where, you know, I I just want to get that point across, and I'll and I'll keep saying it. And I might spin it and say it a different way. Um, <laughs> I had I had uh, actually the the time uh, that I 
support it. I would refer to the senior leadership team at the, the Hartford. I used to have a one-on-one -on -one with the uh, with the senior vice president of, of IT at the time uh, every week, and I and I walk in, uh, and every week, you know, I'd wrap it up with you know how am I doing and what can I do better, and uh, you know probably wasn't very far along uh, when he just looked at me and said, you're, you're doing a great job. Uh, if you mess up, I'll let you know. <laughs> Good advice. Um, you know, so I think, you know, that's, that's for me, uh, you know, that, you know, the, the, you know, the fear of failure, you know, the fear of, of uh, you know, not, not doing the right thing. Um, you know, and it's a, it's an everyday process. You know, I remind myself of that conversation, uh, you know, where, hey, you know, I'll tell you when, when you when you make a mistake. You don't have to come sure. in and, and ask it three different ways. Uh, you know, I used to, especially with the, the, that senior leadership team, there were times where I'd say something and I didn't get the, the reaction I expected. So I would just say it differently. I'm, I'm great at analogies and, and acronyms and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, sometimes they just say, yeah, you know, we, we, we heard you. We, you know, it's just not what we want to do. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I try every day, uh, you know, to learn something new, um, to not repeat a mistake uh, that I've repeated in the past. Sometimes I'm good at it, and sometimes I'm not. Um, sometimes I have to be reminded. Uh, you know, sometimes I have to be pushed. Uh, but I accept that. Uh, and if you try to resist it, it just gets a little bit more painful. <laughs> so uh, thankfully, uh, the, the folks in my life that do the pushing uh, don't push too hard. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, isn't it okay, too, to celebrate the wins, even the small wins along the way? I don't think we, as society professionals, give ourselves enough credit on a daily basis because we are doing a lot of good things all the time. So uh, that's one of our missions here is you know, we're, we're trying to help people. It's kind of a self-help, self-discovery show. How do we improve? You know, how do we learn from our guests? And... How do we help each other um, become our best selves? Yeah. And, um, you know, I could see someone like you, yes, you're, you're fearful of failure, but at the same time, you probably have a thousand wins for that one failure. So right. constantly, you know, reminding ourselves, take a step back, a deep breath and say, everything's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the right track. I'm doing good. I'm helping a lot of people. And yes, I still have to be aware and, and responsible, but it's okay to celebrate. I think so. I completely agree. Uh, you know, among uh, among many things, uh, being a geek, etc. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a lover of music. Uh, I'm a. I understand know, you have quite the vinyl collection. I, I have over a thousand uh, vinyl albums, um, and I think you know, partially because I'm a little bit retro. I'm, I'm a product of the '80s. Um, and also, it's, you know, for me, uh, it's, it's a, a daily part of my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, a 12-inch record is 22 minutes a song. Uh, I start a lot of days throwing an album on, Interesting. grabbing a cup of coffee, 
uh, you know, catching up on the news, uh, go hop in the shower, flip it over, play the other 22 minutes while I'm getting ready and, you know, getting myself out the door. And, you know, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with living life 22 minutes at a time. Actually, 44 is my favorite number, and I always break that in two. So that has, <laughs> that has relevance to me, and I can see what a great way to start your day. I was actually going to ask you, do you have any practices you do? Do you get sick? Because I could only imagine the amount of information going through your mind on a daily basis between your own business and all the clients. Um, where do you find your, your downtime? Where do you find your headspace? That um, do, do you do any meditation or anything like that? Yeah, so very recently, um, I have uh, started doing uh, meditation, um, and I find it extremely uh, relaxing and, and setting, uh, you know, because reminding myself to stop and slow down um, is something I haven't always been good at, like, and I need to be better at anyway. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a hack of a guitarist, uh, but I love to play. Um, and, you know, that's another one of my just kind of think without thinking, relax, hit my internal reset button, you know, uh, you know, and, and smile a little, laugh a little, uh, while I do it. How much pressure are you under on a daily basis? <sighs> that's a great question. I don't always feel it. Um, you know, the, the days I feel it are when it's, when there's a, an absolute deadline, you know, something we've got to get to a customer, uh, you know, by this afternoon. A proposal. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but on a, on a daily basis, um, you know, it's, thankfully I, I work for a company where there's not a lot of pressure. There's not a, you know, there's no micromanagement, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's very much, um, you know, kind of self-paced, you know, get the job done, and I'm not going to worry about how you got the job done as long as you got it done. Um, you know, same thing for, you know, being in the office versus, you know, either working from home or, or being with a customer. You know, as long as the customer's happy and and we're getting the job done, you know, where and, where and how that work gets done um, isn't necessarily a focus. So I think that helps maintain a, a, a low pressure. Sure. Um, you probably have great systems in place. Or the best, yes. you know, to we, be able we to try to. You know, it, part of what we do as a, as a business, as we were talking about the, the cloud earlier, is Razor has a cloud. We call it Razor Cloud. Um, and, you know, the reality is, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the systems and the software, et cetera, uh, that we use, you know, it's, we always call it kind of, it's eat your own dog food. You know, the, the stuff that we might recommend uh, to a customer is the stuff that uh, that we ourselves use, um, and you know that's it, you know that, that says something about uh, the company, and I think it says something about the, the mentality of the folks that are in it. Uh, just have a few more questions. Sure. I'd like to do what we call kind of rapid fire. Sure. Where I just mention something and love your response. Um, some of your favorite books. Oh. I would say number one, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, love that book. Um, wish, wish, wish the yeah, wish the movie was better. Um, it's it's sci-fi based, so that I think the geek and sci-fi kind of start to start to blend. Um, 
but uh, I, I spent a lot of time in the car uh, and doing a lot of audible. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's the times where the favorites are, you know, the, you know, the seven habits and the good to greats, et cetera. Uh, and there's times where it's, you know, Janet Ivanovich, uh, Stephanie Plum stories that <laughs> just, that make me laugh. Whatever you're um, in the mood for that day. Yeah. Yeah. It changes. I've, I've, I would say, uh, sci-fi is always in there. Uh, you know, same thing, uh, when it comes to movies. Um, but a good story is a good story. And Audible is a sponsor of ours, so what we'll do is we'll okay. give a free download to anyone who's listening. If they go to audible.com, we'll put your name in as the uh, forward slash, and they'll get awesome. a free download. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, it, I don't think I could live without that. <laughs> you know, story. and it's, yeah, it's, it, I wish I did more physical reading, um, but it certainly is a way for me to, you know, to get the partake in, in, you know, the, the books I don't have time to read. Sure. You're making the most of your time. Sure. You know, your travels. Favorite foods. Favorite foods. Oh, nothing beats a good steak. Um, fan of pizza. <laughs> fan, fan, of, fan of a lot of things that, that don't fit that, uh, you know, Low carb, low sugar uh, approach to life that I like to take. Um, You're staying uh, in good shape, though. I, I try to. I try to. Uh, it's uh, it, it doesn't get any easier as as we get older. That's true. <laughs> as we could both attest to. Um, there's, I think, one interesting thing for me is there's really not a food that, or, or even a, a a region or, or nationality of, of food uh, that I don't like. I'm a big fan of sushi. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough uh, with one of my jobs to do a fair amount of, of international travel and got to, you know, experience, um, you know, authentic uh, food from, from different countries. Um, you know, and there's been very few times that uh, I haven't at least said, you know, it wasn't bad. Uh, and most of the time it's, wow, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, I, when I grew up, uh, you know, Growing up in New Hampshire, it was a meat and potatoes, uh, you know, uh, kind of lifestyle. Uh, when I, 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 outside of my mother's spaghetti sauce, there was nothing that even had a little spice to it. A lot of flavor, but not a little spice. Uh, when I met my uh, wife, uh, who uh, comes from a family that, that cooks a little spicy, uh, I found out I like spicy yeah. food. <laughs> what motivates you most? My biggest motivator is um, getting the job done, you know, and, and meeting all the requirements, um, you know, setting setting a goal and getting there. Uh, I've been, you know, lucky enough that I've gotten a fair share of, like you said, I've, you know, if there's... If don't focus on that one loss. Uh, focus on the, the thousand wins that came before it. Um, and uh, you know, I think the, the motivator for me is you know, I've, I've got a pretty good track record, um, and I want to continue to build that. Uh, I want to continue to you know have opportunities to learn and grow every single day. Um, it surprises me sometimes. Uh, you know, you, you, there's the saying, you know, you, if you didn't learn something new today, the day was 
ways that uh, I think, you know, in the industry that I'm in and being the geek that I am, that's probably 10 things a day. Uh, and I'm lucky enough uh, to, A, you know, have the opportunity uh, to have this be my career as well as it's what I love to do. It's it's not a job. Uh, it's it's a half a half a hobby, uh, and and my whole uh, being believes uh, in in what I do. Um, you know, on and off the clock. That's so awesome. You found your passion and you're living it, which is which is. That's you know that's kind of the you know you ask the question. You know, what advice you were talking about? What advice would you give to to you know kids growing up uh, these days? And you know, I think. Doing something you love, boy, you know, it, it certainly outweighs, uh, you know, just doing something either for the money or, or whatnot. Uh, not everybody's lucky enough to be able to do that. And, you know, in those scenarios, make sure you're giving yourself enough balance uh, for the things that do, you know, make you tick. Uh, and, and never give up trying to, you know, get to the point where, can really do something that you love. What annoys you, Jay? Oh. I think it, the smartest guy in the room that keeps reminding you they're the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> uh, you know, I've I've sometimes been referred to as the smartest guy in the room, but I've never felt it. You know, I've always believed in when it came to hiring people, you know, trying to find people, you know, that are smarter than I am. Um, and thankfully, there's enough smart people out there, and I'm not smart enough that I've, I've succeeded pretty well uh, there. Um, I think wasting time, you know, definitely. You know, it's, there's nothing, nothing worse than spending a lot of time on something only to find out that, you know, you, you might as well have not done it. But, uh, you know, and that's a challenge in, in, in business because sometimes, you know, especially with, with being uh, more on, you know, in a sales organization, you know, sometimes you are working for a customer and, and there's no kind of reward on the other side. Um, good news uh, for, for us is, you know, we win more than we lose. Again, it's that, you know, let's, let's focus on, on, on the wins on the left and, and not the loss or two on the right. Those would be the top three. If you were to take out your cell phone and call your 20-year-old self, your 20-year-old Jay, what would you tell that kid? I think I'd tell him, it's all going to be okay. You know, trust yourself. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would want to I said I've got some regrets, but I don't think I would go. I don't want to do anything different. You wouldn't want to change course. Nah, it's been too fun of a ride. Awesome, Jay. This has been awesome. It's been educational. It's been fun. It's uh, enlightening, and I think we're going to give a lot of people some insight into technology, maybe that they didn't know before. So we appreciate you coming on. Uh, one last question before I let you go. Sure. Ultimately, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, it, number one is, you know, 
18, almost 18-year-old daughter and 13-year-old son, um, you know, to, to set them up um, for the same kind of success and joy um, that I've had in my life and to pass that on. Um, I think before I'm done uh, with my career, I'd like to be more of an educator. Um, you know, teach some some college courses, or you know, um, it's it's always been something. You know, I get to weave that into um, my my current job um, in a lot of cases because that's what we're trying to do is is educate and, and share. Uh, you know, the the right approach to technology, um, but. Uh, I think that that's that's a bucket list for me is to 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 do that in, in more of the traditional setting. Um, but who knows with technology, I might be doing that, uh, you know, staying at home uh, and, and wearing virtual reality goggles uh, in, in our virtual classroom. Um, yeah, and I, I just you know, I've never worried about uh, having a legacy that you know was more than it was important really to anyone beyond the, the folks that I've, I've you know my family the folks that I've worked with uh, customers that uh, that I've supported and I don't think I would want to change that awesome. I'm, I'm okay with the uh, you know as the song goes you know it's the dash in between I think, I think I'm good with the dash so far. Jay Gagne, I respect your humility and your intelligence. I appreciate you coming on, and welcome to the American Real Family. Thank you very much. I, I couldn't have enjoyed it anymore. Thanks for tuning in to American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. At American Real, we're on a mission to help as many people around the world fulfill their dreams and obtain their goals. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So, if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me and podcast your passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.